Joel Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast. I hope you like what we're doing with our podcasting arm, not just providing you with content from our live podcast, but also our digital conversations with people who are talking about writing in interesting ways and in very different aspects of the industry. On this episode, we're taking on more of an interview-focused episode with Patrick Maney, the director and producer of the upcoming documentary Neil Gaiman, Dream Dangerously. We talk about the role of the writer in today's media-intensive world and the expectation of the writer to be in the camera and on the mic, rather than the work being under the microscope. As always, you can talk, comment, and question me on my email address, mailbox at thepenofjoel.com. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. Today, we are joined by um, a different type of guest that we've had on um, beforehand. Generally speaking, what we do is we bring on writers and artists, you know, different codes to talk about uh, the writing industry. And today, I thought it would be interesting to talk about a documentary maker, someone who's worked on something in regards to writing, and have a look at and see what that looks like. So, Patrick Maney, welcome to the show. How are you going? Uh, doing good over here. Uh, thanks for having me on. Fantastic. So tell us a bit about yourself, Patrick, and your association with the documentary Neil Gaiman, Dream Dangerously. Uh, sure. Well, I am the uh, director and producer of the movie, and it's, um, I think, the fifth documentary I've directed about people in the world of comics. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a niche that I've uh, carved out. <laughs> and um, we've worked on the film for about three years, working with Neil and you know interviewing a lot of people that he knows and one of the big themes that kind of emerged is talk you know it's him talking about writing like that's Mm -hmm. his you know his life's work that's the thing that really drives him Mm -hmm. and as the film went on we kind of found uh some like interesting conflicts about sort of the the place he's in now where he's a very successful writer and i think you get to see some of the the challenges of how he became a successful writer which is pretty tough and then some of the challenges he faces now as a very successful writer and dealing with you know trying to be creative mm-hmm. when he's kind of got the world at his fingertips so. yeah yeah um it's interesting because like neil gaiman and when we've talked about him on the on the podcast before but you know he's one of the most well-known fantasy writers of this generation, pretty much. Um, and he's carved that up with some pretty incredible works like, you know, Sandman, etc. Um, and, you know, what, what, was the, what was the thought behind this? Like, you know, what was the first talkings of you guys, you know, doing a documentary? What was that? What was that like? Uh, well, the first project that I did in comics was about Grant Morrison, um, who's you know one of my favorite writers, a huge comics writer. And after when we were finishing up that project, we we're kind of like, who who are other people who have the same sort of you know mystique about them, or mm-hmm. kind of have the same sort of legend? Because it's uh, to be an interesting documentary subject, it's not necessarily that you're just a good writer yeah. or a popular writer. It's that you kind of have to have that that mystique and that people want to know more about you. And I think people, you know, they want to know more about Neil. They want to spend time with Neil. They want to go see Neil read. They want to read his work, follow him on Twitter. And so he's, you know, a perfect subject for a movie because people want more. Yeah. Um, so that, that was a, a while ago and we approached him and he had just done a really big article, um, I think in the New Yorker. And he was kind of like, well, I'm, I'm good on talking about me for now, but why don't we circle back, you know, in a year or so and see, about how he could do it and then when he was going to do um his big tour for the ocean at the end of the lane which was very hyped as sort of his last 
signing tour and, you know, a huge endeavor. Um, we were like, this would be a great uh, kind of structural spine for the movie and would be cool to see a mix of, you know, talking to you in an interview setting, but also talking to him as he's on the road and seeing him interacting with people and, you know, going to events like Comic-Con and, and all throughout the UK. So it was a really, it was just kind of, you know, the perfect thing to see him in action. Um, yeah. So that became kind of the spine of the movie. Interesting. Um, so I guess breaking down the, the mechanics of putting something like this together, right? Like what, what entailed that? You said that you followed him around the road. What was that like? You know, did you stay at the same hotel? You know, were you just there every moment in his face? So what was that like? Uh, pretty much. He did, um, a, a huge tour of the U S which we did a few dates on and we followed mm -hmm. him at Comic-Con and we went, you know, we're just, we had a mic on him and he would go off and do panels and he'd be walking through the halls and we just kind of be tracking along. Um, and the idea was to not, um, was to try to be, you know, unobtrusive and kind of stay out of the way and let you just get to see him, you know, mm -hmm. say him and Jonathan Ross talking before a panel or him at the Eisner's backstage and kind of understand, you know, not really editorialize it, just to let you see him in action. And then the bulk of the stuff that we filmed when we were uh, kind of trailing him was in the UK, which was about two and a half, almost three weeks of events where we were with him. You know, we did every day. We did all the same events and we just kind of, you know, were his shadow. Um, mm -hmm. And it was fun because after a while, I think Neil kind of enjoyed being on camera. Yeah. And he would start, you know, making jokes and stuff to camera. And it, so it, it was a, you know, it wasn't strictly as if we weren't there. He started, you know, interacting more, which I think becomes a kind of like a, a Shakespearean aside if you will, for the, yeah. uh, the pretentious set to, uh, <laughs> for a reality show to camera moment for the yeah. less pretentious set. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, the, it's interesting because, and one of the reasons why I was interested in getting you guys on this show and talking about it is because we've talked about this on the podcast before and being that the writer these days in, in you know modern society, the writer is almost more important than his writing that when you get to a certain stage, the personality becomes such a big draw rather than the creative work. And sure, you know, the creative work is what makes you that personality. But in the end, you know, people will come and watch a talk, um, or watch a documentary, for instance, because they want to see the writer. They want to see that personality. Did you, did you get that sense, you know, when you were on tour with him and looking oh, at people I, at signings and stuff like that? I think for sure. I mean, if you see the people who go to the signings, it's like they, they aren't there because they, you know, they like Sandman or they liked yeah. Coraline. I mean, that's part of it, but I think mm -hmm. it's because they like Neil and they want to see him as a person and, you know, through Twitter and through his blog and kind of through even like his relationship with Amanda Palmer, I think it's made him into mm -hmm. very much, you know, a rock star of the literary set yeah. and people want to see him and they want to interact with him. And I think that, you know, he's obviously very present in his work, mm. but I, I know that, uh, you know, for example, on this tour, it was for the ocean at the end of the lane. And, and in many cases, even though the book had been out a couple of months, you know, the majority of the people there had read it. Yeah. And that might be because, you know, they were getting a signed copy and they didn't want to buy two of them. But <laughs> it's also, I think, speaks to the fact that, you know, people want to see Neil because they like Neil and they, you know, they, his work. He's not having a problem selling his books or, yeah. you know, getting yeah, his stuff yeah. out there. But I think that there is a level where people are just attached to him as, as an individual. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, do you think that ever got, got, you know, got to him, you know, while recording that that was a bit, you know, claustrophobic in one sense? 
Uh, I think for sure. I mean, the the conflict, I think, or, or you know, which is like a happy conflict, and I'm mm. sure it's a conflict that he, he would, you know, is happy to deal with, is that he is so in demand as a person that he could just go around and speak, you know. Yeah. He could do an event every day and sell it out, you know, all over mm-hmm. the world. And I think that for him, he saw that he was becoming somebody who was more, you know, just doing events and kind of, uh, he says it in the movie at one point, he's kind of like, I don't want to be an anecdoter. I don't want to be just, you know, a talker. I want to be a writer. And I, I think that's the pull for him now is that he has the opportunity to do all these cool events and, it, you know, it's hard to pass up going mm-hmm. to cool places and, and doing fun stuff. And I think he, he loves doing that, but it's also hard to, um, it you know, it distracts from the writing and it makes it harder to actually produce stuff. Yeah. Um, this isn't uh, your first gig, as as you mentioned uh, to begin with, of looking at a writer and like you know um, their life and their work. Um, so, from your opinion, like, what do you think? What do you think the writer's role in society is today? Like, what do you think people expect a writer to be when they get to a certain you know success level? I guess. Well, I think that the thing that uh, you saw in comics in the eighties. And, you know, with the kind of the Alan Moore or Graham Morrison or, or Neil generation was kind of writers who were very much about their personality and kind of at times controversial or, you know, very uh, they were promoting their brand. And I, I think you see that more and more among all, all sectors of the entertainment industry, be it like, you know, TV showrunners where, you know, you see. Uh, somebody like Matthew Weiner or yeah. uh, Vince Gilligan are, are out there and there's a real interest in them, whereas, you know, people didn't used to know who made shows or really care. Yeah. Uh, they were more into the cast. And I think you see that in books, too. You see, a, you know, people like uh, obviously George R. R. Martin is somebody who's, you know, he's on a character on people impersonate him on SNL and things yeah, like that, yeah, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Uh, but even, you know, somebody like Jonathan Franzen or a, mm-hmm. a lot of people, I think there's this expectation with Twitter and, uh, you know, things the way they are now that you're constantly putting out content. It's not just like you put out a book and then you go away and write the book. Hmm. Like it's your, you're always present. Yeah. Um, I guess getting a, a personal opinion here, do you think that's a good thing for the writer or do you think that's, you know, that can be harmful in one way because you're seen for more than your work. And, and, you know, um, we get into different subjects, like, you know, how much do you reflect your work? How much do you believe in a character's opinion in something like, where do you think that plays? Well, I mean, I I think from, you know, looking at Neil and if, if you look at the movie, that's, that's kind of the core conflict of, I I would say Neil ever since Mm -hmm. Sandman is, you know, he's dealing with this expectation of, of being Neil Gaiman and yeah. what that means to the work. And, and, you know, can he just write, you know, a book like a Nazi boys or something, if he writes that, yeah. is that going to be seen as like a fun lark or is it going to be like, Oh, this isn't, you know, Sandman, this isn't as big as, as that kind of book. Yeah. So I, I think it, it becomes hard for him to, to, you know, to disappear. I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of the thing that he, he at times wants to do and at times doesn't want to do. Mm. And if you compare him to say Grant, who is a you know grant is somebody where he he disappears like he goes off the grid yep. he has a house in scotland where mm. he's on an island and nobody's coming around and you know he doesn't have an email address he doesn't have a phone like he he is off the grid writing stuff yeah and he's gonna put out his thoughts in you know a comic book rather than a blog post mm-hmm. but i think that's a harder thing to do now and i think you're seeing more people in the future are going to be like neil where they're 
jumping across, you know, maybe they have a YouTube channel, maybe they have, they have a Twitter, they have a blog and it's about being out there because you're just not going to become successful. Otherwise Mm -hmm. it's about, you know, the work isn't necessarily enough. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you hit on something really interesting there at the end. You, you're saying that like, yeah, success is almost dependent on you putting yourself up there, you know, uh, gone are the days of Lovecraft where he could just, you know, be, be weird and esoteric in his room and, you know, people wouldn't care that he's a shadow and it's just that people cared about his work. Um, and we talk about him a lot on the podcast as, you know, a throwback to what, to what literary geniuses used to be and what they are now. You know, and people look at people like Terry Pratchett and, and George Armand, like you mentioned, and Neil Gaiman. Um, and yeah, it, it must have been interesting for you to see, like, go behind that and see what that, what that struggle must have been like. Um, and probably also like relationships and, and family and all that kind of stuff. You know, that would have been incredibly personal, don't you think? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that the, the challenge, you know, just from doing the movie and trying to, you know, schedule interviews and mm. things with him, I can tell you, like, Neil's schedule is insane. And yeah. You know, he is, he has so much stuff to do and he travels so much, which, you know, it's surprising to me in some respects because it's, you know, that's a draining thing to to fly across the country all the time or fly, you know, over to England. So he has a really, you know, brutal in some respects schedule and he's able to work all over the place. He's able to work on planes. He's able to work, you know, as he does all this, but it's still, it's quite a schedule and, and it makes you, you know, I think there's a, kind of a conflict as a reader or as a fan of, do you want to have that time with Neil? Do you want to see him live or would you rather just read another book? Yeah. Um, And I, that's the conflict he feels too. Mm. Whether he's going to go back and write or whether he's going to do another event, you know, put another one in there. Um, It, that's interesting. And it, so I guess in, in, in a larger question, you know, what was the thing that surprised you the most about putting this documentary together? You, you know, you've done, you've done them before, um, but what was, what was different about this one, you think? Uh, well, I, I think the, the interesting thing about Neil as a writer is that he's very, um, I think he's very into, you know, the idea of being a writer and the idea of stories and myths and kind mm-hmm. of building these, these things. And I think as he looks around the world, he takes in a lot and turns them into the stories. Yeah. And I think that somebody like Graham Morrison, I got the sense that it all kind of came from within. Yeah. And, you know, every character to some degree is him and it's what he's thinking about. And I think Neil is a little more of – He's kind of an, an yeah. observer. Yeah. Like that's what uh, Amanda said at one point was like Neil looks around and he kind of sucks up all this stuff around him, mm-hmm. be it, you know, a myth or a person he knows or a, a news story he sees or, you know, a book he read about history and he's able to process it all into these really cool stories. Yeah. Um, which, which isn't to say that his work isn't personal since I think, you know, Ocean at the end of the lane, it, it's, you know, that's him. Mm-hmm. He, he's in a mystical universe that's exaggerated, but that's <laughs> his family yeah. and it. And, you know, he said so. And, and there's several other works of his that are very autobiographical, but then there's a lot that's more, you know, he has all kinds of interesting origins for his stories and they come from all kinds of, you know, diverse places. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you were looking at, uh, him as a writer and, and him as a personality, what what struck you like in terms of the you know the influences on Neil? Did he talk about that? You know, was that a was that a subject that came up in the um, in the documentary about what inspired him? Well, for sure. I one of the cool things is we got to interview um, sort of his best friend from high school mm-hmm. and kind of earlier than that, even a guy yeah. named Jeff Nockin. 
Mm-hmm. And Jeff was saying how Neil was just like an insanely voracious reader and he would just read ev- everything, you know, sci-fi, comics, regular, you know, non-genre books, mm-hmm. everything back in the day. And he, that, I, so I think he really, you know, he was like that kind of person, you know, who like reads constantly and is like walking around reading a book. Um, yeah. So I think he just took it, you know, took in so many stories and he took in so many myths that he was able to kind of figure out how to make his own things that were similar and you know spoke spoke to other people in the same way so i, I think that's really like the origin of neil is those influences and mm-hmm. i think for him the drive to create is something that uh you know i think a lot of people who who are successful or you know even aren't successful people have this like need to tell stories and it's something that you know i i feel the same way and i know i've spoken to a lot of other people who feel the same way which is you know you don't know why but you just you want it do that and you want to do that more than anything and i think when you hear him talk about his younger years it's probably you know it's relatable to me and i think it's relatable to a lot of creative people of just he wanted to get there he wanted to make it and he was hustling and he was trying and Mm -hmm. you know went through a lot of struggles and was able to do it by just you know he he was even saying like his work wasn't anything special but he just stuck with it and he kept writing and writing and writing and eventually it got you know it got good Mm. yeah fantastic well, uh, we're getting towards uh, the the end of the recording um, the podcast. More of an interview, I, I guess, this one, because I'm, I'm just really interested in just picking your brain on this subject um, <laughs> that I am about discussing it. But, um, it, yeah, I, I'd say, you know, you've interviewed these writers, you know, going forward. What's the, what's the main, like, line through you can see in, like, the creative process or the creative struggle? You know, what's the thing that defines it for you? Um, well, I guess, uh, you know, if you, if you look at writer like Neil and Grant and Warren Ellis, mm-hmm. you know, were the three writers I kind of spent the most time with. And then I talked to a lot of others. I think that uh, those guys all came out of a time in England that seemed very uh, kind of oppressive, and, yeah. you know, not not a fun time. And I think mm-hmm. they were all turned that into that this desire to, you know, tell stories that were crazy and would kind of break down the system. And I think it seems like a lot of the writers who we've interviewed have, you know, kind of a desire to like bring something into the world that isn't there and to reflect something that they're not seeing Mm. and be it, you know, uh, somebody like Kelly Sue DeConnick talked about how she, you know, doesn't see a lot of female protagonists. So she wants to write those characters that she Mm. wants to read. And, you know, Grant Morrison uh, talked about he would read, you know, there was highbrow comics that were, you know, very literary and maybe exclusionary. There was, you know, superhero comics, which could be at times dumb. And he wanted to do something that would combine those. And I think you could see that in his work. And I think, you know, all these writers wanted to put something into the world that wasn't there and mm-hmm. that reflected a part of themselves. Yeah. And then you kind of see that. Um. Well, how about you, Patrick? You know, you're you're a creative person. You're working in the arts industry. You know, what what is that the through line for yourself? You'd say. Uh, well, I mean, I I've been very lucky, and you know, to be able to do these documentaries because it's basically mm-hmm. you know the chance to interview and explore these writers who had a huge impact on me, and you know, uh, got me, uh, made me kind of you know, reading Grant, he talked about the idea that you know, stories are real and like Superman, even though he's a fictional character is going mm-hmm. to be around after we're dead. And he, you know, so in some ways he's more real or more powerful than an actual because person. Of that legacy, so, yeah. 
Yeah, because I mean he's not going away, and yeah. it's like it's so it's it's an interesting perspective, and at that kind of uh, so for me, um, while we were in editing on this, you know, we I developed a script and shot it last summer for a movie called Trip House, which mm-hmm. uh, stars Amber Benson, who was in Buffy, mm-hmm. and a lot of other kind of nerd culture yeah. people, you know that would be familiar with. So it was cool to get the chance to kind of take all this stuff I learned and, you know, all the approaches that people had to writing and then try to do something on my own that was, you know, reflecting what I wanted to say and kind of the ideas that I had. So I'm excited to to finish that up and it's almost done as well. So fantastic. That's really, that's, it's really interesting. I think, um, to hear the perspective of some, of, of the observer, you know, and, and an observer that's like very close to that process. You know, you, you follow these writers, you know, you're really close and, uh, and intimate, I guess, it, with their lives and hearing your perspective, I guess, is almost truer than hearing their perspective. I, I find that talking to writers, it's, it's the hardest thing for them to, um, to, you know, self-examination is a difficult thing, you know, um, to oh, be yeah, able to, sure. to look at yourself and be like, oh, you know, what makes me me? Um, so, so thank you very much for coming on, Patrick. Uh, it was a great discussion. Um, cool. Well, yeah, thank you so much. Neil Gaiman, Dream Dangerously. When's it coming out? Where can we watch it? Uh, it's going to be out uh, through Vimeo On Demand. Uh, July 8th is the release date. It's available, I guess it might be July 9th for you guys down there. Mm-hmm. Um but it, it's available for pre-order now on Vimeo On Demand, and it's worldwide, so everybody all over the place is going to drop at the same time. Um, and you can pre-order it now, and we're going to have some cool uh, bonus material along with the movie to kind of you know make it uh, a full package of stuff. Um, and we're going to be doing probably some like live tweets and mm-hmm. some events and things, so you know it you should uh if you get it on that date you'll get some cool you know get to be a part of something cool no matter where you are except china apparently they okay. don't allow Vimeo. <laughs> there you go uh, fantastic well i'll be sure to tune in patrick and have a look um final uh comments uh on on the production on anything you like where can people follow you um uh, uh well i'm on twitter uh, at Patrick Meany, M-E-A-N-E-Y is uh, the name, and you can keep up on all the stuff I'm working on there. And um, yeah, Neil, it will be out in July, and um, our other movies that we've done are available. If you go to respectfilms.com, that's the production company website, you can find out where to get those mm-hmm. uh, and check them out. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, listeners, as well, for coming along and listening to this. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you very much. Cool. And Thanks we'll see so you much. There.